Welcome to the Stellar Labs podcast, Future Learning Today. At Stellar Labs, our mission is to bust the technology skills crunch with effective, measurable, engaging training. We consult on, design, and deliver the technical and people skills and competencies you need in business. In these podcasts, you'll hear from industry experts and practitioners from the worlds of technology and training. They'll share their experience, insights, and inspiration, and their visions for the future with you. Keep listening to start your future learning here today. Hello, I'm Stella Collins, Chief Learning Officer at Stella Labs. Today's podcast episode was recorded live at the Learning Technologies Conference 2020. David Kelly is a speaker, writer and Executive Vice President and Executive Director at the eLearning Guild. David is a generous sharer of ideas and always has his finger on the pulse of the latest in technology. He's practical, pragmatic and an engaging speaker. We first met through Twitter, where he's called L&D Dave, and it was great to meet him in person at a learning tech conference about three years ago. Here he is again. Dave's come over from America, and I think you pretty much come every year to learning tech, don't it's you, Dave? It's been at least five or six years in a row, yeah. I think, uh, I think every time I've, I've met Dave here, he's, every time I've been here, Dave's been yeah, here. Yeah, pretty much. But we met on Twitter originally, I seem to recall. As, as many of us here have done. And I think it was through one of the learn chats or mm-hmm. something like that, wasn't it? And, Likely, and you yeah. were a very, a very excellent kind of re, retweeter, commenter, <laughs> conversationalist. Yeah. So when I, the first time we actually met, I felt like I, I already knew you. Yeah, it's, it's, one, it's one of the beautiful things about Twitter is sometimes you just meet people in person. You feel like you've already known them. And you're like, oh, wow, this is the first time we've actually met in person. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. Good. So welcome back to the UK again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, I've got a question for you, which I hope you'll understand because it's an English phrase, but I think you understand it across okay. in America. What's the biggest bee in your bonnet right now? <laughs> oh, there's a lot of different things that I'm following. I mean, um, there's uh, personally, I mean, this is not a reflection of necessarily the weight that it gives in the industry. But my personal interest more, the more I personally, is I am very engaged in the conversations around AR and VR and how those technologies are are being used and how they're emerging both in the normalization on the consumer market and what that means for us as opportunities for learning. And I think they they are both in their own unique way, powerful tools that are going to enable us to solve problems that we haven't been able to solve before in the work that we do. Uh, so I'm, I'm, and I also just find technology like that extremely fascinating. So it's a, it's a unique experience that we haven't had available to us before. Uh, I enjoy those types of experiences, and I'm enjoying exploring the opportunities that that's opening for us in our field. And are you using AR and VR yourself? Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, one of the things that I love about my job these days is I can I can find a new shiny object. And, and justify it at home by calling it research. Um, so, so I have a lot of research things at my house uh, in the AR and VR space. So I enjoy um, checking out the technology, see how they emerge, see how they advance, uh, and seeing the types of experiences that people build with them. And I, I've seen VR particularly used in, in various different ways. But what do you think are the, the kind of the, the challenges of VR, but where it's really beneficial as well? Well, I think VR is going to have... VR is not going to be the silver bullet. I think that a lot of people in our field are always looking at new and emerging technologies as if it's the silver bullet, or to, to use my geeky Lord of the Rings reference, the one tool that's going to rule them all. Uh, and, and it's not what it is. It's, it's, not, it's just another tool in the belt, but it is a very powerful tool that I think is going to have a, 
an extremely powerful but narrow use case. You know, when you have when you have uh, needs that the risk of failure is literally life and death. Like firefighting is a good example that that uh, there's a lot of virtual reality applications today. The opportunity to practice those skills in a safe environment becomes extremely powerful, and and VR can create those experiences in ways that just looking at a static screen can't. Uh, and and the, to see those those use cases emerging now is really exciting, I think, for L&D. I remember seeing one of my colleagues uh, taking part in VR that was about climbing high um, sort of masts. Mm-hmm. And she was absolutely terrified. Absolutely. She had her hand gripped on the chair, even though she knew she knew she was just sitting on a chair. She could feel the chair. She could not let go of the chair. Yep. It, it's, so, it, yeah, it, it, a good experience can really... It, it, the word that I, I associate with virtual reality that does really well is it, it gives you a presence that you can't get any other way. And do you think, I mean, it's, it's very kind of visual at the moment. How much better do you think it's going to be in terms of the, the sort of physical input and maybe other kinds of input? So, yeah, it's definitely a, predominantly a visual medium right now. Um, there are a number of different technologies that are emerging that, that get into other senses. Some of them are really gimmicky. I've seen masks that you can associate that give you more of the, the smell associated with things, which just, I don't see that getting really much traction. Um, but the, the haptics are, are really exciting. Uh, the, the ability, like there are gloves that give you the feeling of what you're seeing in VR. Um, even more exciting is the, is the ability to not have wands at all. Like uh, one of the technologies that's out now, the, mo- the most popular device in VR in the consumer level is, is one of the most, is the Oculus Quest, which is the standalone VR device. Uh, and they just recently released an update where it has hand tracking, where it can just, without you holding a wand, you, it can see what your hands are doing. And, put your, and you can, it's very basic navigation type stuff, but it's, it's able to just recognize what your hands are. Um, I've, I always tell people if they have the opportunity to, to experience different types of VR, um, there is location-based VR centers where you, it's like free-roaming stuff. You're actually wearing a backpack with your, with your computer on it so you can roam around a room in an environment um, and, and your hands are free and you pick up objects and you're picking them up in VR. Um, it's, it's an extremely compelling use case of, of how VR can add to that presence beyond just the visual of the helmet. And I would be quite curious to know how the smell stuff does work because we know that smell and memory are really strongly linked. So oh, may, maybe the smell stuff. Well, could the, be. The, the, the 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 stuff that's on the like a headset that is on your face that seems a little gimmicky. But the, the like the location based stuff that I was talking about, there you're basically walking into what's essentially a physical blank room, but you're seeing these. It's creating an environment within the VR headset. Um, but I've been in some of these location things where you're in a room that is on fire. I don't want to spoil any of these consumer things, but you're in a room that's essentially on fire and you smell the burning. They pump in. So you're seeing the fire, but they're pumping in scents in the room that give you the, 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 the air just smells like smoke, which just makes that immersion that you're having within this experience, that feeling of presence that much deeper. I can definitely see that being, being really powerful. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, what do you think, um, what's the best technology, do you think? I mean, we've already said that, you know, there isn't the perfect technology. Right. But for you, what's the best technology that's been invented so far? Or do you, th- or do you want to be invented? Mm, ooh, that's, ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, the, the, the easy, the low-hanging fruit answer is always the, 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 the best technology is the one that's solving a problem you can't solve today. Um, but that's not that's not a personal answer for me. Um, I mean, the the technology that doesn't exist today that I'm really excited to see is, you know, we, we talk about AR and VR 
as two separate things, which they are. I mean, it's not to say that they're not. They, they definitely are. But as augmented reality continues to evolve, and you know, if you think about what augmented reality is, it's essentially a digital overlay on the real world. But if you overlaid everything that's in front of you in the real world, essentially it's VR. If everything was overlaid, now you've got a digital environment. It's just a different portal going through it. So I think eventually we're going to get to a point that the, the headsets that we're doing are, are mixed reality, true mixed reality in the sense that they could do an augmented reality experience or a virtual reality experience, and, and this differentiation is going to go away. Uh, and as that technology evolves, that's one of the I mean, I, I kind of see the trajectory that AR and VR are on, and kind of watching how it reaches that end point is kind of fascinating to me. Okay, interesting. What's, here's a kind of more of a personal question for you. Mm-hmm. What's something that you've never learned, but you would like to? Hmm. I haven't yet, I, I have not yet learned a language other than my, my native one that I really wanted to do. And Which you're fun. very good at. Well, well thank you. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'd like to be able to speak another language as fluently as I speak English. I mean, then it's, it's, it's very relevant to me now. I was in Paris last week for the other show that they had um, and walking around as much as it was a fascinating experience that I was able to talk to people through technology. I mean, just having my phone out and saying something and having it translate in French and having the other person listen and, and vice versa. It was fascinating how, how normal that felt. It still wasn't me talking to people. I mean, I'm, I'm walking around and I'm hearing people talk and it's, it's almost like a music to me but I don't understand what the words are of, of hearing that. So, yeah, I would always love to just allocate the time to just learn another language. And, and being a learning specialist, what would you do to learn another language? Well, you know, immersing myself in it is, is, is the first thing. I mean, again, I go, back, I go back to last week. There were times where I, I intentionally did not pull out my phone to try to at least get to be able to answer the question. Like, like the, the big questions of where is the restroom, where is the train and things of that sort. I tried to not use the phone at times, just just for that experience of what's this going to be like, and and really in, in some cases just didn't pull out the phone unless I saw that the person was bothered by me. Like like it's like oh I don't speak that you know you, you, I don't know what you just said to me, but you, <laughs> it's not what you think it was. Um, so I, I try to just immerse myself in it where I could just you know, learn by doing. Yeah. And and uh, if I had more time, I would have loved to have been doing, able to do that more. That's definitely been my experience of, of learning. I've learned Spanish and I'm now in the process of, of learning Flemish and it's, or Dutch rather. Yeah. Dutch Flemish. Um, you know, and it is that, it's, it's that immersion. It's that seeing every day, hearing every day. Um, it, you know, simple things like I can actually say hello, please and thank you in quite a lot of languages. Mm-hmm. But I can usually say push and pull as well. and entrance and exit because you see those signs all the time when you go to a foreign country you're 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 getting that repetition and that constant presentation with it so um yeah so okay so a a new language what language would you choose i mean I, i would probably i would probably go with spanish mainly because it would be the most useful for me where i live i mean that's that's probably the second most common language around where i live so to be able to interact with people where that's their native language uh, would, would just be probably, probably also my best opportunity to have that sort of experience where I can practice more. Yeah, and probably more opportunity to immerse yourself at least exactly. at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then one sort of final question. What are, there's been quite a lot of conversations around at the moment about um, using evidence-based learning, obviously as far as I'm concerned using neuroscience within learning. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in your thoughts on, on that as well. Just in, in terms of the, the use of that? Yeah. And, I don't think the, we do it validity. enough. I don't think we, we do it enough. Um, I think that a lot of the 
um, challenges that exist in the, in the practices in our industry are done not with the, not that people have bad intentions in any way, uh, but I think that there are too many decisions that are made because it feels right. And it seems like, the, it, it just seems logical that this is what we should do. You know, the most obvious myth that people always go to in this is, is the whole learning styles thing. And the idea of catering your instruction to the fact that someone prefers to learn a particular way, um, that seems like it makes sense. I mean, it, it, it sounds logical. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Um, but people don't take the time to follow through on, but is it evidence-based? Is there research to back up what I'm doing? They act on how it feels rather than what the research is telling. Um, and that leads to bad practice and leads to some of these myths that, that are, exist in our industry. So I think we, we need to be respectful of it more. I also think the ability for people, um, I also respect the fact that there's a gap sometimes in terms of, you know, not, not everybody has the interest or the stamina to sit down and read an academic research paper. It's just, you know, it's a hard read for a lot of yeah. people, myself included. Um, so the ability for those people that are out there that can distill that into something that, that, that is easier to digest and easier, more importantly, to put into practice, um, those are the people that, people like myself who work at conferences, to give those people a platform to share that and, uh, with others that has the ability to, to impact our field. Yeah, I think it's just important for people to start questioning what they hear and they kind of blindly accept. Mm-hmm. Um, and learning styles, whilst everybody says it's sort of, you know, it's an easy myth to believe, but actually you've only got to really think about it quite simply and think, you know, if I had the learning style of, of being a visual learner, for instance, and I need to ride a bike or learn a language, I am never going to manage it using that. So it's, it's whilst very quickly it seems like it might be conceptually interesting you can very quickly bust the right. myth if you just mm-hmm. think about it just a little bit yeah um, yeah i think i think as a, a general rule of thumb it falls under a broader heading that i would say just just think before you hit that share button yeah like think about it before you start spreading it because that's where a lot of this stuff happens is yeah. people they see the headline it sounds good and they hit share yeah um and, that, and that we all know that science has to be made simpler for us to yeah. understand it i mean yeah I've read through many a, a research paper, but they're not something I love to read through. Yeah. They're, they're jolly hard work. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Well, thank you very much for sharing with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Dave, Thanks for It's having been really me. interesting to hear what's, what's in your bonnet. And um, we look forward to seeing you again at some point. Sounds good. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please share it with your friends and colleagues and visit our website, stellalabs.eu, to learn more about what we do and how we do it. Tune into the next episode.